Lord, bless the words of my mouth, meditation of each heart here in our Lord's name. Amen. This is the fourth week in the study of prayer. And of the 12 weeks, there is none like this lesson that you are about to study. Let me read in Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, revelation was given to the prophet Daniel, same one who was in the lion's den. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war that would come against Persia and would affect deeply the exiles of the Jews who were in the land of Persia. Daniel knew the war was coming, and he had begun to pray to God concerning the war. The understanding of the message came to Daniel in a vision. On the 21st day of his prayer, on the 21st day of his prayer, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man, not a man, but an angel of high rank, dressed in linen, a belt of finest gold around his waist, his body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, and his voice was like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the angel. The men with me did not see the angel, but such terror filled them as they knew supernatural events were occurring that they fled and hid themselves. I was left alone gazing at the great angel. I had no strength left in me. I was deathly pale. I was helpless. I fell to the ground. A hand touched me. The angel's hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And the angel said to me, Daniel, you are highly esteemed by God. Listen carefully to the words I'm about to speak to you. And then the angel continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray, 21 days ago, since the first day you began to pray and set your mind to gain understanding about the actions of God, your prayer was heard by God and God sent me to come to you in response to your prayer. But the prince of the Persian kingdom a demon exercising influence over the Persian realm in the interest of Satan. An angel resisted me from coming to you for 21 days. And then Michael, the great archangel, he came to help me because I was detained by this angel demon sent by Satan. And now I have been able to come to you and I'll explain to you what will happen to the Israelites in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. And the next chapters, Daniel 7 through Daniel 12, they are the angel explaining to Daniel what will occur. I shuddered when I read this for the first time because it brings to mind what we all believe in our hearts, that there is an evil influence that oversees all things pertaining to government and media. I bumped into George yesterday at LA Fitness. I had not seen him in a couple of months. He had been having health issues. He said to me, Pastor, what do you pray about? And without hesitation, I said, George, I pray about two things every single day. 
I pray that God would remove the evil that is in the media and that God would remove the evil that is in governments. He said you pray that every day before you pray for the health of your children or anyone else. I said it is my absolute prayer. Every single day, first thing, that God would remove the evil in media and that he would remove the evil that courses through governments. And when you look at this episode, as unique as it is in the Old Testament, it says exactly that. There is an evil angel sent by Satan into the Persian governments, and that angel resisted the angel of God from coming to Daniel. Let me head a different direction for a moment. Every Sunday, there are 32 teams in the NFL. They do battle against each other. The stakes are very high. The teams in the NFL are worth $90 billion. The NFL itself is a $16 billion a year industry. There are 100 million people that will watch football this weekend all over the world. The stakes are high. The coaches prepare for the battle. And if you were to Google how long does an NFL coach spend each week preparing for the next week's contest, you would probably be as amazed as I was, a hundred hours a week preparing for battle. And you sit and say, what? It's the same game every week. They don't change the game. Each team has a quarterback and a running back and wide receiver, linebackers, all the rest. But the difference is this, the the battle changes every week because the quarterback's different, and the linebackers are different, and the running backs are different, and so here you have this head coach, and he meets with the offensive line coach, and the defensive line coach, and the quarterback coach, and, and all the coaches, and the special team coaches, he meets with all of them, and then he spends 50 hours a week watching film of the other team watching every nuance, every ability, every talent that each individual player has. Ninety hours spent preparing for one hour on the playing fields. Why is the preparation easy? Because the opponent can be seen. On any athletic field, the opponent can be seen. And if you prepare diligently, if you have a little bit of luck and a great amount of skill, you might actually be able to beat your opponent in the battle of that weekend. The stakes are high. But the Apostle Paul says what? Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. For in the long run they are meaningless. Fix your eyes on the things not seen. The invisible realm where God dwells. Invisible realm where Satan and a third of his angels likewise dwell. There is an opponent that we face every moment of every day. He cannot be seen. And that opponent comes against every human being that God ever created and he does battle with them. The stakes are exceedingly high. Jesus said in John 10, I've come for two reasons. Meat and potatoes, I've come for two reasons. I've come so that when you live on this earth for 30 years or 60 years or 90 years, 
When you live on this earth, I have come that you might have abundant life, and I will do everything within my power to give you that abundant life. And I've also come that you might have everlasting life when your heart beats for the last time. Those are the two reasons I have come. And our adversary, our enemy, the devil, he spends his entire working day trying to destroy the abundant life that God desires to give us by every means possible, fair and foul. And he, above all else, desires to take away that greatest gift won for us on the cross by Jesus, that gift of everlasting life. By fair means or foul, Simon Peter describes our adversary. He bumped into him more than once. There was the occasion when Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You don't know the things of God. You are being influenced by Satan. Simon Peter knew Satan well. When he writes this in 1 Peter, it is some two decades after he has denied Jesus in the courtyard, and Jesus, 40 days later, has forgiven him. He remembers Satan. He remembers what Satan caused him to do. And his warning, 1 Peter 5, 7, Be vigilant, be watchful. I tried to be that way, but I fell short. Be vigilant, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Resist him. If we didn't have the power to resist him, he wouldn't put that in there. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. And how do you resist him? Shower and strand tell you every week how to resist him. By his word. By his word. You have the stories of God in the Bible. He opened up the waters of the Red Sea then. Guess what he can do now in your life? He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Guess what he can do in your life right now? Why are the stories here? So you can read a bunch of history and then say, hey man, that's a good story. Why are these stories in here so you can apply them to your own life? If he did it back then, he can do it now. If he did it for Joseph, he can do it for you now. If he did it for David, he can do it for you now. That's why we study the Word and we restudy it and we pray over it and we write our notes about it and we discuss it with others in small groups or over a lunch hour cup of coffee. His Word. Stand firm in the faith. How are you going to defeat this enemy? You cannot see him. Stand firm in the faith. His words are on paper, but the invisible qualities of His Word are things that the Holy Spirit takes and places in your heart. So all of a sudden it's not words that you're reading, but the essence of God's Spirit within you. We read in the Gospel, what if you have faith, smaller grain of mustard seed, you can say to a tree, go into the ocean and it'll go. We're more familiar with Matthew 17. Say to the mountain, move, and it'll move. What's the symbolism there? You can ask God to do anything which you think is impossible, but God can do it. God can do it. How do you stand firm in the faith? You read His Word. You saturate yourself in His Word. 
And then you pray. And then you pray some more. And then you pray some more. When God comes to you in His Word, it is God communicating with you. When you pray, it is you communicating with God. Stick that on the fridge. When you read His Word, it's God communicating with you. When you pray, it is you taking what you've learned about God and you communicate with Him. James described the enemy, James 4, 7. He said this, Submit yourself to God. Resist Satan and he will run away. Come near to God in his word and in prayer. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Do I think it a lost cause to pray every single day that God would remove the evil influences in the media? Do I think it a wasted effort every day to pray that God would remove the evil elements, the angels sent by Satan to mess with media and to mess with our government? Do I think it a useless prayer? Not in a million years. And Daniel 10 proves it. The angel has this total influence over the Persian Empire, but let one man, Daniel, begin to pray. Let one man begin to pray. And all of a sudden you have an angel from God coming, doing battle with the angel from Satan sent to mess with the government of Persia. One man praying, here comes the angel. And when the two angels are struggling with each other, what does the one angel do? He asks Michael, the great archangel, to come and help him. And that help is afforded. Matthew 18.10 See that you do not offend any of these little children, for their angels do always behold the face of the Father in heaven. We sit and think there is one guardian angel for each of us, Guess what a guardian angel can do? He can ask other angels to come and help him. I don't know how many angels God has needed in my life. I think when I get to heaven, the angel is going to say, you just wore us out, Strand. You just wore us out. Jesus describes the enemy. John eight forty four. He said, the devil and his angels, they are liars and murderers from the beginning of time. There is no truth in them. When they speak, they speak their native tongue, for they are liars and they are the father of all lies. Martin Luther described the adversary, a hymn he wrote 500 years ago. We're going to sing it in three weeks on Reformation Sunday. And this is what Luther wrote. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. With might of ours could not be done. Soon were our loss effected. But for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. 
Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is of Sabaoth, Lord, and there is none other God. He holds the field forever. His name is Satan. He is not a fairy tale figure. His power is real. His presence is real. His effect upon our abundant life is real. What guile he has, what power he has. Against him, Adam and Eve stood no chance. It was like a lion playing with a mouse. There's Adam and Eve. Here comes Satan. One word out of his mouth. Does God say you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? Deceptive. Did God say you can't eat of any of all of these trees? And he already knew the answer, but Eve said, No, 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 you're wrong. God is nice. You know, he told us we could eat of every tree in the garden except one. And Satan said, Oh, there's one tree you can't eat of. And I wonder why that is. It's because God knows if you eat of that tree in the middle of the garden, you'll be as wise as God. Like a cat playing with a mouse. They stood no chance. David, the highest appellation in the Bible, is connected with David. It says of him, he was a man after God's own heart. Highest praise given to any human being in the Bible. A man after God's own heart. But in 2 Samuel 11, when Satan comes and he's looking at Bathsheba down there taking a shower, King David stands no chance. Abraham, with regards to his wife, stands no chance. Simon Peter, four hours earlier, he's saying, Jesus, all the other disciples might run away, but I'll never run away. I'll stand by your side. And here comes a 14-year-old girl into the courtyard and says, you're one of his disciples. And Simon Peter, against Satan, stands no chance. He says, I don't know the guy. Leave me alone. Manasseh, one of the most godly kings Israel ever had, was Hezekiah. Hezekiah's son was Manasseh. Every day, Hezekiah spends time with his son Manasseh, saying to him, Someday you're going to be king. Most important thing you'll ever do is to follow God's commands. As soon as Manasseh gets the power, what does he do? Satan's angels come into the Israelite kingdom and they invade Manasseh and for 55 years, for 55 years the angels sent by Satan manipulate this man. He stands no chance. Who's stronger? Satan or God and his holy angels? And you know the answer. How does it turn out with Adam and Eve? Jesus gets sent to die on the cross. How does it turn out with Abraham? The father of the Israelite people, forgiven by God continually. How does it turn out with David? Forgiveness straight from God. Very prophet Nathan comes and says, you ask God to forgive you, and he has forgiven you. What happens? What does the Bible say when any sinner repents? When Satan's angels have come and done their worst in government media or, or our own personal lives, what does God do? What does it say the angels do? 
they rejoice over every sinner who repents. Why? Because the angels come when we've gotten off the path and we're walking in all this mud and quicksand and our life is a lie and our families are affected and we're affected, our relationship with God is affected. Who comes? Who roars louder than Satan? God Himself. Who comes? Satan's angels bow down before God's angels and he wins every single time. And when the angels in heaven rejoice over every sinner who repents, it's because the angels have come to us, as Luther describes it. The angels have come to us and we're all wrapped up in Satan's guile and power. And the angels deliver us. And then the multitudes rejoice. The victory is ours. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 which was to be the epistle reading. It says this, Put on all the armor of God because you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this world's darkness. Put on all the armor of God. Talks about living your life truth talks about putting on righteousness straight from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who seek after righteousness. They'll be filled with it. But the last two things he mentions in Ephesians 6. The armor of God. What we've been saying all this time. The armor of God is His Word. The greatest weapon you can have to fight Satan is His Word. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is involved in the Word. The Holy Spirit is involved in the Word. Martin Luther said, when I pick up the Bible, even before I read it, I feel God's Spirit coming through. His Word. And then, at the very end of Ephesians 6, when he talks about the weapons needing, needed to defeat Satan... Five times in three verses, he says, Pray on all occasions. Happy occasions, sad occasions, doubtful occasions. Pray on all occasions. And then he says, Pray all kinds of prayers. Long prayers. Half-hour prayers. Short prayers. Help me, Lord. All kinds of prayers. Requests. Personal prayers, Lord, I'm not going to pray for anyone else. Me and my family need me to pray directly to you because there's something going on in my life right now that I need you. I'm not going to pray about anyone else. I need all my prayers directed for my son or my daughter or my grandchildren right now. All kinds of prayers. Personal prayers and accessory prayers. And then he doesn't stop. He says, let your prayers be with all requests. Long-term requests, Lord, be with me my freshman year at the U of I. Short-term requests, Lord, i got a test tomorrow. i got to pass this test. Be with me as I study. Help me with this test. Relationship prayer requests, health-related requests, job, sons, daughters, grandchildren, all kinds of requests. 
Then he doesn't stop there. Five times in three verses, he said, Be alert. Never stop praying for God to be at work through his saints on this earth. Those who follow him, pray for the saints. You're not going to win this battle on your own. One person's prayer could affect the evil and media and government, but I want all my children praying. I saw Arlene this past week. Arlene, God bless her. She suffers terribly, 85 years of age. She suffers terribly. Her body is racked with pain, virtually 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And she said to me for the last six months, all I want is for God to take me to heaven. I have no purpose on this earth. I have no purpose. I said to her this past week, I said, Arlene, you've told me before that you pray for me every single day. Is such still the case? Or does your pain necessitate you praying only for yourself? She said, no, 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 Pastor. On my husband's grave, I pray for you every single day. I said, Arlene, I know that you do. And just like my father is saying to me, I pray for you every single day, when you or someone else tells me that you are praying for me every single day, I cannot tell you what that means to me. And if you leave this earth before I do, when I am doing your funeral, Arlene, I will be thinking to myself, there is one less person on this earth who is praying for me, and that will affect me. I said to her, the most powerful thing you can ever do in your life is to pray for another human being. That is the power that is attached to prayer. That is Daniel praying for 21 days. And that angel sent from God has been battling Satan for 21 days. And he finally breaks through. I told you I wouldn't, I told her last night I wouldn't mention her name. (laughs) But I told her I'm going to tell your story, and it's a brief one. She said, I have a friend. He was alienated from his son. And for 20 years, for 20 years, every day, he prayed for a reconciliation between him and his son. He had no idea where his son lived. He didn't even know if his son was still alive. He had prayed for 20 years every single day for the reconciliation with his son. And after 20 years of praying, a knock on the door, and he opens the door, and there stands his son. When you've been praying for something for a long time, Consider that your prayer has ignited Satan and he has sent his angels to do his disturbance. But your prayers have also ignited God. And there is one who roars louder than Satan. And that is God. The victory will always be his. My son did not survive brain cancer, but he's safe in heaven. He will always win the victory 
1 John 5, 4. The one in you is stronger than the one in the world. He will always win the victory. Your prayers will elicit the end of the storm, either the way you desire it or the way that God's greater good and will desires it. But he will always win the victory. Stand firm in your faith. His word, God communicating to you, and your prayers, you communicating to God. Heavenly Father, keep us strong in the faith. Never a circumstance today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Never a circumstance in which we do not realize your presence being with us, your peace in our hearts, and your strength and wisdom. Always abiding with your children, so great is your love for us. In our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.